Well, hello there. How's it going, everybody out there in the internet wrestling community land? How y'all doing? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo here. A little bit in the dark, but I'll fix that uh, soon enough here. But whether in the dark or in the light, in the rain or in the shine, the snow, sleet, natural disaster, lack of stimulus payment, I'm here. I'm live. And I'm bringing you the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn wrestling and guess what you're in for a treat it is the 100th episode dun, dun, dun. i did not want to try to violate any type of copyrights or any kind of gimmick infringement upon anybody else i was gonna try to come up with a nice little flourish a little video before the show but maybe i'll just save that for like 200 can you imagine like i've been doing this for almost a year and a half now uh through various and sundry different vehicles and outlets and networks and whatnot but the one that i found the one that's home right now is heel turn wrestling now for then forever and that's the only uh Thing I'm going to steal from somebody. So how y'all doing out there? It is me. So there is uh, quite a lot of exciting things happening. I know for some of you math nerds and uh, number marks out there, it is uh, Pi Day as well. So I guess I'm going to throw it out there. I have some friends who are math teachers and pro wrestling fans. So I'm going to Throw it out there, as the kids say, and I'm going to wish you a happy Pi Day. Just get that out of the way, because guess what, kids? This week, no, it's not St. Patrick's Day either, even though there have been plenty of great Irish-born professional wrestlers. Um, but it's also happy 316 week. Oh, hell yeah! So... Probably uh, Wednesday, I'm going to grab a favorite brewski, and I'm probably going to relax and uh, honor one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, Daddy, the great Stone Cold Steve Austin on Austin 316 Day. So look for that on the uh, Heel and Face page. Look for that honor on the Facebook page. I'm sorry, I said that. On the Facebook page, on the Twitter handle as well, tweeting it out. As you can see, there is my handle right there, Heel and Face Pod. Please react on there as well. And hey, like the uh, card said before the show started, I also am on Minds. I'm on uh, other social media. I'm trying to get on Locals as well. I don't know which one I'm going to like better. Uh, I'm still testing the waters on both. Uh, trying to be a first adapter at a lot of different social media sites just so I can bring the best of professional wrestling news and information to wherever you are, to wherever you may be. So that's awesome. And I get to do that because of heel turn wrestling. So let me tell you guys real quick. Y'all need to get on the bandwagon, okay? Y'all need to get a part of this because it's not just my page. By the way, I really appreciate it. I think I'm at uh, 1,100 likes so far. Just under eleven, or just under a thousand subs, or just over a thousand subs. So keep that energy going because I want you to continue the energy at Heel Turn Wrestling on Facebook at HT Wrestling Three One Six. That's HT Wrestling Three One Six, 
And you can also um, go and like and follow all of the great content that we have on there. Of course, we have Billy Alexander and the Franchise Takes Five Beyond the Mic. Two great shows from the wrestling booker manager extraordinaire, Billy Alexander. You've got The War Room with Kevin. You've got Wrestling 2020 show. The trivia show that you can have a nice little scone and tea with uh, the folks at Wrestling 2020 in the morning as you wake up and prepare for your uh, your uh, wrestling day. You can also check out Piers Austin and Shooting the S, his amazing talk show where he interviews the best in the world of Australian professional wrestling. And if you don't believe that the Australian pro wrestling scene is hot right now, then you're not paying attention. But the WWE is, and just a real quick hit, because we're not going to do a traditional news segment today, but just a real quick hit for you. Um, we are going, uh, we just want to let you know that uh, two huge wrestlers in the uh, Australian wrestling scene were signed. By the WWE, oh, uh, uh, one had a tryout. I believe her name is Steph LePage, but I probably messed up her last name. So I apologize to all you Aussie fans who are watching. Uh, she had already had a tryout, and she was already in the Performance Center for a while. It left, and uh, the second name escapes me, but it shouldn't because he's a really big deal right now in the Australian pro wrestling scene. So it's a shame that I couldn't come up with their names. Right away, I just saw him on the uh, spur of the moment, so I really weren't wasn't able to research it. So I'm not going to report anything necessarily that I don't know for a fact, but I will just tell you um, that uh, the Australian wrestling scene is hot right now, and there's no better way than to follow Piers Austin and what uh, his show's doing for the scene. So I also very proudly, and I'm uh, stooging this off for the boys. On to the turnbuckle, but if I'm not mistaken, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, March 13th, or I'm sorry, March March 16th, be Austin 316 days. So that would be perfect. The boys at to the turnbuckle will be joining, officially joining, having their first show on heel turn wrestling. So that is uh, super exciting as it is. And you should uh, follow us, follow along. HD Wrestling 316. Heel Turn has 88,000 likes. And we're going for 100,000 before the end of the year. And that's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I can feel it in my bones. And if you like us on Facebook, then as the crawl goes by, perfect timing. You can also check out our shirts. Yeah, the guys got shirts. That's what's happening. We all got shirts. And we're going to make them available as soon as uh, we can. The more t-shirts you buy, the more shirts will be available from all the other uh, people all the other shows, but what you can do is you can go there yourself. You don't have to wait for me. You could check out uh, Heel Turn Wrestling at uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. Check out our store, please. It's dope. We have our own little section here. We already have two shirts that are, are sold, and uh, that number is growing and growing by the day. Of course, you have 
uh, Billy Alexander's T-shirt. He'll turn a company logo that you can rock on a uh, Thunderdome before they stop doing that. Uh, and, of course, you can take a look at Alcoholic Adam, the interviewer and blogger, and Meme God Extraordinaire's T-shirt. And, of course, the best-looking T-shirt on our shop store, if I may say so myself, the Heel and Face Podcast T-shirt. So, really, you've got a lot of quality there to check out. So, check us out at the store. You're going to have fun doing it and uh, be part of the Heel Turn Wrestling Revolution. Pretty much the biggest fan-driven, fan-experience network in pro wrestling right now. So thank you guys, by the way, for making it that way, keeping it that way. We really dig your presence, and we love the fact that you love us. Just tell 12,000 more of your friends, and then that way we can really do some big things. But I digress. So someone is doing some really big things in the world of professional wrestling, especially over this week. And you know what? I said it in the bio. I said it in the uh, sh- uh, the uh, little blurb about the show that I typed in. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off, shall we? Let's just n- not get any further because, like I said, the news isn't going to have a traditional news segment this week. We're just going to split it up between topics and between uh, uh, the the you know the the two companies. We're just going to go AEW and WWE this week, and only because. Uh, AEW needs to be addressed, and it's going to be addressed right here. Ripping the Band-Aid off. We're just doing this. Former WWE superstar Christian shows up at AEW Revolution as Christian Cage. And this is the big signing that the big show was telling us all about, hyping us all about. This was the guy who was going to outwork everyone. This is the guy who was going to come in and be the big name signing. And let me tell you, let me talk to you. It went over like a fart in church. I don't know anybody both inside or outside of wrestling with possible exception of only AEW fans were even remotely interested in this turn of events. Um, so I got a lot to say about it and I'm going to really try to be precise and keep it cool because, um, honestly, uh, I could go on forever about this, but I just going to try to just condense my thoughts into, um, certain, just, just certain quick turning points. I don't want to spend two hours dwelling on this. So this overhyped signing, by AEW that the big show pretty much was brought in to hype us for. So basically he played the John the Baptizer to Christians Jesus. Now how interesting I made that analogy at that point. So I'm the king of analogies. So whatever. And when this happened, I went okay. All right. Whatever. As the kids say It is what it is. If you take this at face value and say that a wrestling veteran who is obviously on the downside of his career and has borrowed time is probably taking his retirement paycheck. Probably this is it for him. And 
he's you know gonna take this and ride off into the sunset but i got some problems with it one is he literally was on the last big pay-per-view the wwe had and I don't know if he was just using the WWE as a gauge to how well he felt. I don't know if he was kind of playing both sides to see who was willing to give him the better contract. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but it just seems like he is going to be part of another increasingly long list of former WWE superstars who are trying to use AEW as a way to salvage their already floundering careers. You know how vocal I've been about Miro. You know how vocal I've been about other wrestlers that have left the WWE to go running, driving to Jacksonville. And I know he wasn't ever in the W. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. He was in, it was Lance Archer in the, uh, or Vance Archer or whatever in WWE, the old ECW uh, incarnation. But technically, Lance Archer wasn't in WWE long enough. There's been too many years removed. But I'll include him in the waste of talent group that's getting increasingly crowded in AEW. And this is not going to be anything that uh, th th that's going to have that much of an impact or an effect on AEW going forward with the possible exception of Christian being hot-shotted into a feud with Kenny Omega, which is what it looks like. But once again, ultimately, and I won't get on too much of a change here, but ultimately, if the ultimate goal is to make Kenny Omega the quote-unquote face of professional wrestling and solidify him or attempt to solidify him as one of the best professional wrestlers of all time by making him a multi-promotional, multi-champion, then what's the point of bringing Christian Cage in anyway? I mean, you can't feed him to Kenny Omega unless you're trying to very subtly bury all the WWE stars to make Kenny Omega look good, which is a possibility. Um, they didn't really bury Moxley. He's kind of unburyable at this point. Uh, because if you don't care whether or not you're over or not, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. If you don't care if you're not in the huge AEW title picture or not, if, if you just care about your art and you want to go ply your trade in multiple places, that's a set of uh, ethics that won't ever sink John Moxley. So I don't know if that would be necessarily a burial. But if you look at who's around and how they've been treated, Miro is just a comic book geek or a cartoon, uh, well, comic book, cartoon, video game geek, right? Basically, Kip Sabian's friend, and that's his only redeeming quality right now. Um, you've got FTR, who are mired in their own bullcrap, which we're going to talk about. Um, you've got, you know, an unfortunate passing of Brody Lee, but he was also slipping down the mid card as well. I mean, you can't tell me if he were still alive in three to six more months, he would just be another jabroni with the uh, rest of dark order, um, which 
pretty pointless to having that group around anyway. But again, I, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent. But take a look at all of the former WWE guys that are now in AEW and look where they are. Look where their position is on the card. Look what they're doing. They are not um, necessarily lighting the world on fire and massively being involved in storylines where you bring in a guy like Christian and you would think, okay, hot shot him right to uh, the title picture with Kenny Omega. And he's a legit star. Don't forget. He not only was uh, heavyweight champion WWE, but he's also the TNA Impact champion. And he may, if I'm not mistaken, he may have actually been one of the last TNA NWA champions. I'm not 100% sure where TNA finally broke off their rental agreement with the NWA or not, but Christian may have a lot more clout than people are giving him credit for. That being said, how much mileage are you going to get out of Christian at this point? Are you going to make him have, be in a major feud with Kenny Omega? A pointless feud because you all know that it's going to go nowhere because um, he's uh, not going to lose, not going to beat Kenny Omega for the AEW belt on this amazing run he's going on. So what's the deal? What's going to? What's the point? What's the future? And uh, I will say this. This is a total knock against Christian in a way. Let's put it this way. He was a big name free agent and making an impact and all that kind of stuff. They, they use their words just like I did. Um, he's a crafty, gifted veteran. I, I don't remember the exact phrase that they used, but major level talent. I think was one of the phrases that was used. And really, at this point, the only thing that Christian Cage is a major talent of is stealing paychecks from Southern billionaire money marks. Let's just put it out there. And I'm implying everything that I'm implying with it, and I'll just come out. I'm not going to even beat around the bush about it. I'm just going to come out and say it. Going to TNA when he did in 2005 or so, was kind of proving a point to Vince that he did, in fact, deserve better. I mean, when Edge was riding first class and he was riding coach and he didn't get his ticket upgraded. And I know that sounds like that's kind of a petty thing. But if you're a guy who's a multiple WWE tag champ, a guy who's put his body through so much during all of those TLC matches and the matches with the Dudleys and the Hardys and, and all that, and a guy who's proven his worth and how entertaining and athletic and awesome he is. And, you know, Vince has his biases against him automatically. Uh, that's where the idea of the blue dot came from. They thought that for a while when they brought Christian back, that they were going to have him uh, like behind a blue dot, kind of like the uh, trial, the Kennedy trial that was going on at the time with a younger Kennedy who was on trial for um, uh, some type of sex crime. And uh, Vince thought that was funny. So he was going to put Christian's face behind the dot uh, because Christian is so damn ugly. And uh, he's also called Christian a rat face. I don't know if it was behind his back or to his face, but you know how Vince gets. Once he has an idea in his mind of what he thinks about you, um, you can't break that. You'll, you'll never break it. So, the first time there was some justification. Going to TNA was justification for him. 
to prove that he belonged, to prove that he was, a, in fact, an amazing wrestler, amazing talent, great on the mic, all that kind of stuff, hard worker. And that actually helped him come back to the WWE because he finally had something on his resume to see, see Vince. I took the ball and I ran with it. And you wouldn't let me be me, so I had to prove to you that I was just as bit, if not better, than Edge, even though it's not a competition thing between the two guys. They're friends. It's not a competition thing with them. But in the doggy dog world of professional wrestling, especially with Vince McMahon, you can't break out of a shell unless you prove it to him that you could and can. And that's what Christian Cage used TNA for. And it worked. It was mutually beneficial to both parties. So I can't hate that. Uh, the terrible part about it is we all know that Dixie Carter uh, is a money mark or was one. And she just wanted to be around the boys. Uh, read into that however you will. And it ended up almost completely bankrupting her to the point where she was being cut off of her money and she was being forced to sell Impact and whatnot. And we all know the story about that. There's no need to rehash it. I just think that it's very interesting and very curious and very, very similar to about 15 years ago when Christian left WWE the first time. So is it his fault? That he's going to get a higher payday? No, of course not. It's not his fault. Go where the market brings you. If the market's going to bring you there, then uh, by all means, go there. Nobody's hating on Christian for that. I do think it is oddly coincidental that literally a week before he had the chance, or a week after he had the chance to resign, that he walks into Jacksonville and is the free agent. So we all know that one of Vince's business policies is, hey, pal, if you could get more money out of them than you can out of me, that's even better. I'll even help you. I'll help you negotiate. And that's one of Vince's uh, known business tactics, and it's worked out pretty well for him in the past. Pretty much every wrestler that he has helped or instructed or advised to go to another company to make more money has always inevitably come back to Vince, especially if they've uh, been on good terms and done business with Vince again. So I don't blame necessarily Christian. I just know it's a bad optic as far as, again, leaving immediately to go to AEW and make money off of Tony Khan. But again... There's no short supply of Southern wrestling marks. So, uh, especially billionaire ones, apparently. And uh, on one hand, God bless you, Christian Cage. Make all the money you can. On the other hand, at this point, why would you want to even go down there and, and, and be a part of that? I mean, it's the difference between the devil that you know and the devil that you don't know. And at this point in my, if I, if I was Christian at this point in my career, I'd at least go with the devil that I know. And I can sit back and take a paycheck in catering for another five years until I officially hang it up. But that would be just me. Wow. And now that that's over with, we're just going to go ahead and we're just going to rip off the bandaid again and just get into um, the reaction from, AEW Revolution. I mean, what is there to say? What is there to say about what happened that cluster mess a week ago that hasn't already been said by a lot of people 
I um I'm really having a hard time with even conceptualizing for you how bad the show was and you know I'm even like really good at articulating my feelings and thoughts and ideas there is just uh, there's there's too much to even like I'm gonna try to let's put it this way I'm gonna try uh, to just find the good parts because the bad parts are so atrociously bad that I don't know if it's even worth talking about. Um, I did like the uh, uh, Ethan Page being the special uh, addition to the Face of Revolution match. Although the match itself... I was not excited for. I did predict that Cody was going to uh, win it, and it was a surprise to see Scorpio Sky. I think we've been talking about before. I know I've talked about before that um, Scorpio Sky does deserve better. He does deserve a bigger push than he is getting, and um, clearly he's going to get one now because he won the match. Um, so, nice debut for Ethan Page. People are really excited to see him. I know I am, although his debut on Dynamite wasn't great. Uh, pretty, It was pretty sloppy, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I didn't think that the cinematic match with... Uh, Sting and Darby Allen and Team Taz was all that bad. They, they they did the best they could with what they had, and they went with it. And, I mean, you got a 61-year-old wrestler that you practically killed three weeks before. Uh, you've got Darby Allen, who's a future star. And you've got two guys who are, you know, they are what they are. Starks being the bigger star with more potential, in my mind, than Cage uh, with Taz. But Taz wasn't... There he was commenting. He was he was at ringside commenting. Um, so I don't know. Like, are we were we supposed to believe that it was a total cinematic match? That it was already filmed ahead of time, and they just rushed the video links and emailed them to the producers, and the producers loaded them up and just cut it as quickly as could. Or this was something filmed a while ago, or this was live. That wasn't very clear, and the commentary wasn't better. So, I mean, if they would have just let the commentary go and just let things happen, it's basically Mystery Science Theater 3000. You know, it's three guys sitting there commenting on a movie that they're watching. I mean, we've all seen Mystery Science Theater, or most of us, I would think, have, or some of us have, or a few have, not that many have, I don't know. All I know is Mystery Science Theater 3000 played out during this match, 
and the commentary was super distracting and out of place, but the match itself was pretty good. Um, uh, Hobbs interfered. Cage and Hobbs launched Darby through uh, some glass. Uh, Sting took a shovel to the back. Uh, Darby somehow got a hold of Sting's bat, threw it to him. Uh, whacked Cage a couple times. Um, there was a cool spot where Darby gave uh, Cage an elbow from the balcony and they crashed down through the floor or uh, through the balcony into the floor. That was really cool. Um, Sting wins with uh, Scorpion Death Drop. He blocked uh, an elbow from Ricky Starks. So, you know what? It wasn't bad. The commentary uh, could have left more to be desired. Um, wasn't really interested in the women's match with Mizunami. Uh, you know, the Battle Royal for a shot at the Tag Team Championship. Um went to the Devil's Triangle or whatever they're called, Pac and Ray Phoenix, I guess, uh, fighting the Young Bucks, who um, won, which set up the beef between Jericho and MJF, and, you know, they were telegraphing this from a mile away. Um, this was all for revenge for beating up their dad and uh, spraying him with ketchup, which is what happened. Um, the only other thing I'm going to say about the night was not only was Christian Cage randomly debuting, not only was this Ethan Page's first look on a national scale, and he should be big, but on a national scale. But we also got treated to Maki Ito, finally. The world was shaking in anticipation, waiting for Maki Ito. Um, if AEW's women's division didn't already suck, it completely got worse with Maki Ito. And... I tried doing a little bit of research on her, and I tried watching a couple of videos that fans created on YouTube about her, and I could not get past, probably, it was like, what, it was like a 10, 15-minute mini-documentary. I couldn't get past the first five minutes. And uh, I understand. I know all about the idol situation. I, all, I know about what being an idol is in Japan. Um, I know that there was an idol group that Kiss, my favorite band, did a song with so i'm not ignorant of it and i'm not going to try to crack it too much just the fact that maki ito is so terrible and uh, i'm going to use that to dovetail into uh aw dynamite uh actually i'm not because i'm forgetting the biggest most awful part of the whole night which is the completely botched Completely terrible. I think this was terrible by design. I have a theory that it was terrible by design. Uh, barbed wire match. Uh, this ended with uh, Eddie Kingston 
uh, selling like he uh, basically uh, was uh, covered in Agent Orange and John Moxley getting up five minutes later and cutting a promo on the match. Now, if the match sucked that badly that you had to get up and cut a promo on it and apologize to the crowd and to the people who bought the pay-per-view on how bad it sucked with the sparklers and the uh, poppers popping in the background and all that, then you uh, th then you know it's going to be terrible. But here's the question. The big question is, was it terrible by design or was it terrible because AEW was terrible? And you could go either way with this argument. I have a theory that it is intentionally terrible because this is all a giant inside joke to Kenny Omega. This only makes him laugh. This only makes him happy. Think about it. All these terrible Japanese wrestlers are here to make Kenny Omega happy. Everybody's friends in AEW. And, you know, you get to come to work to every day with your friends. That's not bad. And then on top of that, you make an even bigger mockery of deathmatch wrestling than all deathmatch wrestling is. And again, you know me. I keep saying it all the time. I can only watch about one or two deathmatches per year, and I'm good. I'm not saying that the genre is terrible and there's lots of people that like it. You like whatever wrestling you like and I'll like the, the type that I like. But it came off as Kenny Omega was completely making fun of Deathmatch Wrestling and John Moxley in particular because I'm going to make this look so stupid that you're not even going to be able to salvage this and I'm going to take a little bit of your pride. Now that's either next level psychology or it's just a terrible idea that didn't go checked by anybody who had any sense in the back. Uh, take that for what you will. If Kenny Omega is going to try to reshape wrestling as to what he thinks it is and he's going to try to use all of his stroke and all of his power and everybody else is enabling him, then even deathmatch wrestling is not safe and nothing is safe. So that match was just so beyond terrible. I think it was terrible on purpose. I think it was a way just to let him uh, kind of be tongue-in-cheek and make fun of that kind of wrestling and make fun of wrestling in general because it's cool to self-hate it. I honestly sometimes don't even think Kenny Omega actually likes professional wrestling. I think professional wrestling just gives him the only outlet to do what he does, that there's no other place where he can act the way he acts and do the way he th does things and, and, and be Kenny Omega. Uh, he, he's, he would be a terrible actor if he was a full-time actor. Um, he's kind of athletic, but he's not athletic enough to play any other sport or be another athlete anywhere else. So I think that Kenny Omega just found a pro wrestling and I don't know. I hate to be a cynic and I hate to be a pessimist, but I'm really convinced that Kenny Omega doesn't, in fact, like pro wrestling. I think he's just using it as a way to express himself and to make him more popular and make him be like the be-all, end-all, uh, make him an international superstar. So we're going to dovetail that 
and the terribleness of Maki Ito together because not only you get one day of Maki Ito, but you get two days. Uh, so AEW was, um, again, just awful. And even the end, even the ending that we've been predicting now for months still is bad. And, uh, Honestly, the only good thing or the only positive I can take out of this episode of Dynamite was what happened to Scorpio Sky. So let's just kind of let's just kind of walk the dog back a little bit and just kind of briefly go over the results. So the show opens up with Matt Jackson versus um, uh, Ray Phoenix because. You know, as soon as you find out that he is going to be your opponent coming up very soon, like, why draw it out? Why build something around it? Just randomly throw people together and people will, quote, unquote, get it. Um, this match honestly wasn't as bad as as uh, it, it could have been. And it's clear that, that Nick's probably the, uh, or Matt's probably the better wrestler out of the two. Um uh, you know, it's just a solid match, a great match, a uh, way to start off. But, of course, uh, you know, you would think there'd be like a segment where the Young Bucks would come out and talk about how that they have a new challenge with Death Triangle and there'd be a confrontation and whatnot in a challenge. But I don't think there was even that. I think it was just, hey, this is happening, so go to the ring. Um, next, you know, we see... Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and Eddie and John are talking about they got their drinking buddies back. And apparently they spent the last three days on a bender thinking about how terrible the main event at revolution was. Okay. And, um, I don't know if people are reading into this, but John Moxley had a lot of references to weaponry. He said, quote, Eddie, I think impact paid for that bomb. Kenny, when it came in the mail, did it come with big bold letters that said Acme? I didn't win my belt back at Revolution. All I got was this t-shirt, but I did get my drinky buddy back too. Kenny, the good brothers, if you're going to flash a weapon, you better use it. And I think a lot of people are reading into that a little bit. Weapon. We know Sammy Callahan is with Impact still. Possible reunion of... Uh, Switchblade, Suicide, Suicide, Switchblade. I forget what the name was, but uh, could be a possibility of Callahan teaming up with John Moxley again, or at least I think that was kind of what was implied. And again, you need Google and a wrestling encyclopedia to understand the references. You need the footnotes at the bottom of the page to understand what anybody's talking about and referencing in, in AEW. And this is another thing. I mean, is is there a tease for Sammy Callahan to be part of John Moxley's little troop there? Who knows? Um, so Cody takes on a guy that they're looking at a lot, a local guy from Georgia, Seth Gargis, uh, who looked pretty good. I mean, he looked pretty polished. So they like him. He's been on Dark, apparently. So uh, they like him. Uh, Cody sold the shoulder a little bit, but he ended up making him uh, uh, tap uh, with the figure four. So that wasn't that much. Um, that was just a 
little squash uh, to get Tony Schiavone in the ring so Cody can talk about where he's at, where his feelings are after losing the match last night. And uh, as soon as that happened, uh, Pentagon, El Cero, Miedo, Pop Fly from the crowd, brought his interpreter, and long story short said, uh, maybe you should be worried about uh, your baby daughter or something like that. And then, of course, that triggers Cody because, you know, don't talk about my family, blah, blah, blah. Um, so randomly, we're going to get Pentagon versus Cody Rhodes at some point. Um, and I, I just feel badly for Pentagon Jr. I mean, he's making a lot of money. He's got international recognition, what he wanted, but at this price. Remember, it was only like a few short years ago where, where Penta was rumored to go to WWE. And now we're doing this. Uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy were in an arcade. They threatened to put Miro's head through uh, a uh, cabinet, a video game cabinet. Um, I guess. Don't care. Uh Sting was interrupted by Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, and then Sting went to the back. Ethan Page came out and had a very sloppy match against Lee Johnson, who's pretty good and is going to be uh, hopefully a star. Unfortunately, he's in the Nightmare family, so it is what it is. But... QT Marshall is now pulling heel moves. He's walking out. He's basically saying this kid's not good enough. Uh, so there we are with that. Um, you know, it's not like people are beating down the door for QT Marshall to join uh, any uh, Hall of Fames. Maybe Uncle Dave can put QT Marshall in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame for being a guy who never became anything. But anyway, uh, Ethan Page came off with a high of being involved in the six-man face-of-revolution match to end up kind of looking a little sloppy against Lee Johnson. You know, a lot of kicks weren't weren't hitting. A lot of strikes weren't hitting. He had a portion where he was stomping on Lee on the ground, and things just looked like he was missing by a mile. Um, again, you can argue the minutia of that. To me, just seems like he's just getting his foot wet, and we'll see. I saw quite a bit of him in uh, Impact, or at least some parts of his matches in Impact. I saw part of a match he had in, in uh, GCW. So, honestly, he's good. He could be a future star. He's just got to look a lot crisper with his moves, but excited for him. Um, not interested in Hangman on Page, although I do like the fact that he did end up using part of uh, big Money Matt Hardy's quarterly earnings to fund uh, Jacksonville Public School Reading Initiatives. So that's really good. And he came in on one of those zero-turn tractors and took the rest of the Dark Order with him. Um, you can either make Adam Page the head of the Dark Order or completely break the group apart. And there was even one jabroni who wasn't allowed on it. So here we go with a group, a faction that is supposed to be uh, frightening supposed to be inclusive, supposed to take the downtrodden, the lowly, and the uh, broken, and any other lines you want to use from a My Chemical Romance song, and comfort them and give them support and succor at times of tribulation, turmoil, and chaos. But you leave the guy there saying that there's too much weight, there's not enough room for everybody on the tractor. So 
yeah, get rid of the Dark Order. Just get rid of the whole damn Dark Order. Um, Christian Cage comes out, begins an interview. Of course, Don Callis and Kenny Omega uh, interrupt. Kenny Omega continually making pro wrestling a farce. He started uh, laughing at his own jokes as far as uh, the ring. And this is where I get the fact that the ring might actually have been on purpose gimmicked because he even started making fun of it himself. And as a matter of fact, when he was recreating what happened to Moxley and what Kingston did to protect Moxley from the explosions, he even said, 69 me, Don, 69 me, Don. <laughs> so again, this is just, AEW is a vehicle just to entertain Kenny Omega, and that's it. Um, uh, the women's trios match, uh, not bad. Uh, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was bad. It was terrible. It was, it, it was just, it's a complete crap show from, from head to toe. No one's interested in any of this. This is, that would definitely be a pee break. Um, the worst division in professional wrestling right now is AEW women's division. And, um, if I was Thunder Rosa, I would get away from this before my career starts to stink and I can't wash AEW off of me. She is the only one who looks good in the ring, looks like she knows what she's doing, uh, looks athletic. She's the one that tries athletic moves. She doesn't botch everything. She makes everything look crisp and sharp. It's just so bad. Like it, The whole match just was, was a complete terrible turnoff. And... Um, at the end, and, and, and Vicky was getting involved. She and, and Nyla Rose got involved. Somehow they're going to ally with Britt Baker now, and this allowed uh, Britt somehow to get uh, uh, the crutch involved and put the lockjaw on Thunder Rosa. Um, I guess the two best wrestlers in the women's division right now are going to have a huge program, Thunder Rosa and uh, Britt Baker. And with Britt Baker involved, that's not saying much. Private Party and Matt Hardy were backstage. Don't care. Matt Hardy's hiring the Butcher and the Blade for some random reason because those jabronis are jabronis. They're basically the retribution of AEW. Well, Dark Order kind of is too, but that's another story. Um... Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky. Now, this, again, was a really good match. Uh, so there's not terrible, complete terribleness um, on uh, AP, um, AEW Dynamite. Uh, um, so they sold that Darby Allen wasn't, you know, still fully recovered from the street fight, uh, cinematic street fight a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, Scorpio Sky had a hellacious uh, tag or a hellacious match Uh Basically, it was him versus Cody Rhodes at the you know, Revolution. Anyway, um, I did enjoy uh, seeing the athleticism. There's a reason why Scorpio Sky is getting pushed to the moon. Uh, Scorpio Sky took a weird bump from a code red that Darby put on him. It wasn't intentional. It was just. It wasn't even really that sloppy. He just did it with such force and. For a guy like that, his size to do it like that was pretty cool. Um, and, of course, Scorpio Sky, you know, selling the move, too. So uh, helping out with the move, too. Um, so at the end, you could see that Sky was getting agitated. 
Uh, uh, so, uh, Scorpio Sky was going for the TKO, but uh, Darby reversed it in midair, pulled him around, and put him in a small package, and uh, won. So Darby retains the TNT belt, so I guess the whole face of uh, AEW thing uh, didn't last very long. Uh, Darby Allen got up. He was going to go over, I guess, and, you know, do the whole sportsmanship thing, but Scorpio Sky uh, snapped, lost it, attacked Darby Allen, uh, and then put him in a heel hook. So now Scorpio Sky is a heel. And uh, hopefully they'll develop this with him, make him angry, uh, make him uh, a guy who's owed a lot, you know, a guy who deserves respect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then, uh, so that's a positive. They follow that positive with this complete, utter mess the Inner Circle War Council determined whether or not we're even going to keep people in this group, whether or not we're going to break the Inner Circle up completely. So at this point, we've gone a complete year of establishing themselves as the dominant heel faction in AEW, and now we're at a complete 360. We're about to break this up. Well, Sammy Guevara returned, and he was like, basically, you can do whatever you want to do with me, but, uh, you know, hinting that all that stuff is in the past, but Sammy... Uh, brings Jericho's attention to uh, the hidden camera that he planted to prove that MJF uh, was trying to recruit the rest of Inner Circle behind Chris Jericho's back to jump Jericho out of the Inner Circle so he could become the leader of the faction. And the guys were kind of non-committal, but they were kind of going with it. So I guess we're led to believe that Chris Jericho is such a mastermind that he, in fact, alerted the guys, hey, if MJF tries this, if this is all true and it's proven, we're going to turn on MJF like nobody's business. Well, guess what? They saw the video. Jericho got his uh, his uh, proof and uh, shouted him down, called him an idiot, shoved him. And uh, MJF says, uh, you know, hear me out. I don't want to take over your group. I was too busy building my own ominous. <laughs> Lights go out. When they come back on, FTR, Telly Blanchard, Wardlow, and Sean Spears are in the ring. The new found heels beat the bejesus out of the inner circle. Uh, Sean Spears, the chairman, uh, hits Hager with a chair. Uh, the rest of the guys were dispatched. Santana and Ortiz, who I love dearly, are now basically made to look like uh, simps. And uh, Sammy Guevara was destroyed as well. Chris Jericho was hit with a chair and with uh, the baseball bat. And uh, it was the worst shot that I think has ever been with a baseball bat in the history of mankind. Jericho gets up and he's magically bleeding from the forehead. Uh, he went down to juice and come back up. And, uh, you know, they worked Jericho over. And now the inner circle, who started off as the biggest heel faction again, this is not, this is like a full calendar year. So this is just over one year, okay? They went from a major heel faction to now they're going to be complete baby faces because this new faction that MJF has formed. And there are rumors that they're calling this the new horsemen. And if that's true, I will never watch w, uh, AEW ever again. And I know I said that a couple weeks ago. I had to catch up with it because I wanted to be current with the AEW uh, Revolution pay per view and all that. And you know what? I really wish. I hadn't. It's been 
practically an hour. I've spent practically an hour talking about how terrible the whole everything is of AEW right now. And I'm ashamed that I wasted that much money on it and that much time, that much breath on it. Um, so I'm not saying I want my money back, but I am saying, like, I can't be doing this anymore. I got other things to do with my time that I cannot be spending it on AEW anymore. So um, I don't know what to say. It's just disappointing. It's disappointing. It's disheartening. It's um, it's sad when there's a prime opportunity for real legitimate uh, uh, competition to be had in professional wrestling. And it's wasted by a money mark who basically just pays for everybody who he wants to see in his company. Uh, there's no direction. There's no leadership. There's nothing. It's just constant shock value. It's Paul Heyman shock value on Impact's budget with WCW's poor planning all mixed in to one craptacular package. Um the only other thing that I guess I put it in a bow is you can see why at some point Vince McMahon did not want a lot of these people in WWE because as terrible as WWE is right now and as terrible as Vince McMahon is in running WWE, at least there's some semblance of order and a direction in the product and not just somebody's bad idea or somebody's wet dream about what they want to see in a pro wrestling ring. And it's, it's just disappointing and it's disheartening. But again, it's not, you know, I'm just a guy in my basement on the internet telling you how I feel about professional wrestling. Well, that was that. And I guess there's not much more to say on AEW from that standpoint. So, Let's just take a quick five seconds, and then when I come back, I will try as quickly as I can to run through uh, WWE, including uh, the news that's coming from a, uh, WWE, and uh, talk briefly about Raw and NXT. So uh, I'll be back in five. All right, cool. Thanks for hanging with us, uh, with me on the Heel and Face podcast, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And you know you want to. All your friends are doing it, and it will make you feel good if you go to ProWrestlingTees.com, take a look at our merch, take a look at our shirts. You can also follow Heel Turn Wrestling at HT Wrestling 316 at Facebook. That's HT Wrestling 316. Oh, hell yeah. Speaking of WWE. There is a very interesting development coming from another WWE signee who is probably hating life right now and wishing that uh, he never signed. But there was a report out that El Idolo, that's right, Andrade Cien Almas, as he was named in WWE, wants out of the WWE. So his contract is either up currently or it will be up soon, but he's requested an early release anyway and was denied by WWE. So I think that's interesting as well. Not only has he asked for his request, but he was denied by WWE. And there's a couple of different reasons why people think so. 
The one is what I read. They just don't want to hand uh, AEW uh, Andrade on a silver platter, which will ultimately happen anyway. But two, they don't want to piss Charlotte off or have her have any machinations about leaving either. So any way you slice it, Andrade is probably not going to be long for WWE. And that goes with Aleister Black and all the other wrestlers that they're currently holding hostage under their contracts. And I would hate to think that this was the experience that these guys looked forward to. I mean, think about it. Like the first thing I thought of, even though I was happy that they signed uh, then known as Tommy End to um, WWE, I was curious because I the first thought was, what are they going to do with him? He's just nothing like anything that they have. What are they going to do with him? And sure enough, uh, through no fault of his own, hooking up with uh, Zelina Vega and getting married and all that, found himself into in limbo, in purgatory, being punished for something that's not even his fault just because he's married to a, the woman that questioned Vince McMahon. So we all know that Alistair Black slash Tommy is probably gone and he's probably going to destroy WWE when he goes because he knows that he can be the hottest uh, deal and he can go anywhere in the world, literally anywhere in the world. I would suggest going to Japan uh, to be part of LIJ. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, you know, that's another story because I want to focus on, again, wasted talent of La Sombra, who is also part or was part of LIJ. Uh, the... Uh, now Andrade, he uh, is removed all of his references from uh, WWE, from his social media. He had an Instagram post that said, basically, you're not a tree, move. You, if you don't like where you are, stop standing still. There's no way. He's gone. He's got to be gone. If he has any sanity, it's sad and it's criminal how he's used or wasn't used. He should have never gone up to uh, the main roster, yet another failed attempt at reaching out to uh, the uh, Latin fans, the Hispanic fans, the uh, South American, Central American wrestling fans. So shame on WWE, shame on Vince for yet again ruining a guy's career uh the guy should have been a major star or at least bigger than he is right now and he's not uh so i don't blame him for wanting to be released i don't care if he does he should leave he should go to like the first place i would go honestly if i was him would probably be either to japan or back to mexico and i would cut huge promos in spanish on vince mcmahon and etc 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 the only other option or the only other thing too is this is obviously affecting charlotte as well and the cracks in the armor as far as her love for WWE are starting to show, too. And you can't not live with somebody who's frustrated. You can't be somebody's fiance, soon to be, you know, husband and wife, and not feel their pain or share their frustration about the job situation, especially if you work at the same place. And this emotional toll, you know, is, is, is too much to bear in Charlotte, you know, for all what people say about Charlotte, the fact of the matter is, is she does not 
And she's even said before, she doesn't need to be in the spotlight. She doesn't need to be center stage. She doesn't want to take over. When she came back, she didn't want to take over the top spot. She wanted to like work with other people. And of course, because Vince McMahon is tunnel focused when he's got an eye on you and who you are, you know, he'll use you for that thing. So she's reinstated in the title picture yet again. Uh, but you could tell her heart's not in it. Um, she cut a very lackluster promo against Dana Brooke and, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, uh, Mandy Rose. No fault to them. She doesn't hate them. She wants to see them come up. But I think the thing is, is that as much as the booking has been terrible for her lately and how she's been shoehorned in a lot of things and she has been very clear that she does not like being shoehorned and she doesn't want to be forced down people's throats and she wants the other female talents to thrive and survive backstage, but they keep forcing her to go out there. I mean, what's her breaking point? You know, does she have allegiance to, to, to WWE? Does she have allegiance to her dad? I know her dad's never going to say anything about, bad about WWE ever, ever again. He's going to do practically whatever they tell him to do. But does that mean she has to? Is she going to let her contract run out? Is she going to sit at home? Like, she's got enough name clout that she could go out. And even if she went on and, and she, she went to TNA or went to NA, uh, AEW or somewhere else and wrestled as Ashley Flair with her real last name or uh, uh, Ashley's Almas or whatever she wants to be, uh, can you stop her? People are going to know who it is. Is that enough clout for her to start turning things down? I mean – I get it. She's frustrated. She doesn't want to be involved in this stuff. And she sees what's happening to Andrade and she's just like, whatever, man, I get paid. But she has every right to just tell Vince McMahon where to go and leave the company too. And maybe she and her husband could go somewhere where they're wanted, needed, and appreciated. So we're both of them are. So uh, that's a funny thing that came up. And uh, I don't want to see Andrade go. I want to see him be taken seriously in the main events and, and in, the, in the main event picture. Um, but, you know, that remains to be seen, and it's not likely it's going to happen. So um, then let's talk about this Raw. There's nothing really to say about this Raw other than they just uh, rinsed, lathered, and repeated. This looks like this is the... Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, this looks like the exact same thing that they basically just took the tape from the l last week's edition of Raw and just re-racked it. I know I used a bunch of old school, old time things. I was going to try to say that they probably just recorded this digitally and emailed it to the producer who went and just put it right back in the uh, computer that runs the board for the live broadcast. Because this was basically the same uh, Raw that was last week. You got Bobby Lashley versus uh, The Miz because The Miz came in and blobbity blod for like 20 minutes again about how much uh, he deserves a, a title rematch and blah, blah, blah. So he got that, and that's fine. He deserves that much. Um, and I'm having really difficult uh, times with 
re-justifying The Miz. And I love The Miz, but we all know what The Miz is, what purpose he serves. And it didn't take long, but Lashley ended up beating him in a rematch. It wasn't that much longer than the actual match last week, so it was what it was. Uh, For all their faults, Bobby Lashley is rolling. Uh, as far as being in the WWE champ, the real champ, uh, I would not be sad if he continued a very long, deep reign with the title. I know that there might be a measuring stick laid out at WrestleMania. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, cheap heel heat time with Shane McMahon. Uh, interesting way they get it, went about it. Uh, Shane never raised his voice, but he just basically called Braun stupid and then made Braun chase him around the arena. So we're getting that. Um, we followed a half-hour Broadway last week between McIntyre and Sheamus into a half-hour no-disqualification match between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. And it wasn't better or worse than uh, last week's. It's pretty much the same, but with stair steps, which they both used on each other. And actually, uh, Seamus' uh, uh, use of the steps looked a lot worse than Drew's because I think Drew just basically bumped over backwards into the uh, Thunderdome uh, arena. Seamus hit right, but I think he let go a little too quickly of the steps on his way down. I think he got smacked in the face again with uh, the steps. I don't know if he purposefully intended himself to do that or not, but it happened. Uh, the fact is, is this was another half-hour Broadway. I don't know what they're trying to prove. Uh, if anything, maybe they're trying to prove that Drew McIntyre uh, is working his way back to earning that shot against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. I hope that's what it is. Uh, backstage, Sheamus attacks Drew McIntyre and takes him out again. So, I don't know what's going to happen at Fastlane, but I'm pretty sure it's going to involve some type of weapons or some type of, you know, uh, gimmick rules or whatever, but the both of them are going to go at it. And I'll be behind this if it leads to strengthening Drew back up to fight Lashley at WrestleMania. And if that's what we get and we don't get the other rumors that I'm afraid of, like Brock Lesnar coming back, like Bill Goldberg being in the match, if we get the one-on-one Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley I don't even care who wins. It's just going to be a great match. Um, and, and you could go either way. Drew could win it. And Bobby could chase and probably win it back by SummerSlam. You could have Bobby Lashley win convincingly and dominate for the entire rest of the year. The Dominator can dominate. So 2021 should be big for the Hurt Business. We'll see. That's that's Either way, if you're leading up to – all I want is the confrontation between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania to be the main event at WrestleMania. That's all I want. I care less about anything else. Um, Xavier Woods beat uh, Shelton Benjamin. Uh, so we might see uh, the New Day challenge, the Hurt Business in tag uh, situation coming up very soon here. Uh, Riddle defeated Slapjack. Uh, one of the retrobronies, by the way, hashtag retrobrony. That's hashtag R-E-T-J-A-B-R-O-N-I. Keep that uh, hashtag energy going. Um, So Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler beat Naomi and Alana, who were in similar tights. So they were friends in similar tights for that match. Didn't matter. It was almost an extended squash. 
Uh, we also saw at some point uh, the uh, flames between Reginald and uh, Naya uh, are, are, are getting hotter. Uh, uh, Reginald and Naya went clothes shopping and uh, Shayna Baszler did her best to look extremely bored, which was really funny. Um, main event was given away. Uh, they gave AJ Styles versus Randy Orton away. This could be any co-main event at any WrestleMania, and we're getting it for free on Raw. Because the only reason why we're getting it on Raw is so it'll continue the storyline with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt coming back. Uh, the match was really good in and of itself. Uh, it kind of wet your whistle a little bit for a potential AJ Styles versus Randy Orton match down the line. Uh, maybe, possibly, if Randy gets the belt back and achieves God status by being the most uh, most decorated WWE champion ever. That might be the case. Hopefully AJ Styles will be there to break that up. That would be an amazing WrestleMania in a couple of years, maybe in Dallas. Who knows? Uh, of course, the WWE doesn't plan that far ahead in anything, so uh, you know, it doesn't matter. The only thing that is of note is that uh, Alexa Bliss uh, – came back out with the distraction and uh, Randy Orton started coughing up uh, goo again. And Styles took advantage of it with a phenomenal form and, and uh, pinned and beat uh, Randy Orton. So AJ Styles comes off continuously as the chicken crap heel, but the guy that can get it done at the same time. So he looks strong. Any possible opportunities he could get in the future with WWE a belt so strong, so that's okay. And Randy Orton's continuing this feud with uh, Bray Wyatt, who will probably come back either fast lane or WrestleMania and have like another weird match, and it should be fun. So there isn't that much to say about this episode of Raw. It was kind of a repeat of last week. So we're just going to transition right into NXT, which was better than Raw. I mean, that's not saying much. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is probably the last... Uh, uh, NXT show on Wednesdays before the move to Super Tuesday, Daddy. Uh, so people on the internet who want to say that AEW is winning the ratings war can now say that uh, AEW is going to beat hockey, which is what's happening. So if you don't know, public service announcement, if you don't know, NXT is moving from Wednesdays to Tuesdays because NBC Universal now with Peacock is rescheduling and restructuring their entire uh, cable and streaming organization, and they are now uh, discontinuing the, the channels of NBC Sports, but they are basically restructuring and refarming them out to all of their other networks that aren't doing so well. So you're going to see hockey and Olympics on MSNBC and you're going to see hockey on USA. USA network may become the official, uh, hockey night in America during the week for the NHL. So, uh, the best day, the most popular day other than the weekends for the NHL is Wednesdays. They like to put a lot of their games on Wednesdays for lots of different reasons. And that means that NXT is going to be bumped to a traveling day for most NHL teams on Tuesday. 
But of course, you'll have wrestling journalists who will come out and say that the only reason why NXT is being moved to Tuesday is because AEW is continuing to beat them in the ratings, bro. So we'll see. Um, the show starts off with William Regal being forced to tell us that uh, WWE messed up by not giving this concept originally to these two stars for winning the Dusty Cup. But William Regal comes out and says that they were the number one contenders for the women's tag belts and they lost last week against uh, Jackson Baszler. But he's not going to sit around and wait to ask questions in his term at the meetings, his, his, his turn, I should say, at the meetings. He's going to take matters into his own hands and he is going to take the winners of the Women's Dusty Cup Final and award them the brand new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And I cannot be happier. They should have done this a long time ago. They should have automatically just made it. They, this, this decision is two weeks uh, in the uh, in the making, two weeks too late, but better late than never. I've been saying for a long time the WWE should have multiple belts. Um, as a matter of fact, the WWE should have a belt for every belt that a male counterpart has. I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, if you really want to be part of women's evolution and you really want to be part of the scene and whatnot, uh, as far as, uh, promoting women's wrestling, then there should be not only, okay, I'll accept the WWE Raw and SmackDown women's belts. I'll accept those as extensions of the universe in the world. Okay. Whatever. They have the tag belts, but there should be Raw SmackDown tag belts separately and NXT. There should be a women's North American champion. There should be a women's intercontinental champion. There should be a women's U.S. champion. But this is a step in the right direction of having women's tag belts for NXT. And hopefully they will start taking the tag situation more seriously. And I think they are. They're going in the right direction with it. But I uh, want to tease that. Um, we saw Tony Storm say, you couldn't beat me one-on-one. Uh, one -on -one. EO said, oh, yeah. And then she ends up beating Tony Storm one-on-one -on -one in a really good match, though. So um, Tony Storm did have a lot of offense. She had a lot more offense than I thought. But, you know, uh, EO Shirai is not losing anytime soon. Uh, EO Shirai got out of the way from the diving headbutt and uh, gave her the cross face in the middle of the ring and Storm capped out. I hope this isn't killing Tony Storm too much. She should be able to survive this. Speaking of killing, Pete Dunn murdered Jake Atlas. Uh, it was really uncomfortable the way he posted Jake Atlas's arm behind him and pulled the other side. Um, was not happy with that at all. But this is Pete Dunn uh, saying that uh, he is not uh, by a long shot out of the picture as far as uh, the uh, heavyweight belt. And he's still going to come after uh, 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 um, Finn Balor and anybody else who stands in his way. Speaking of Irishmen, we got a nice little uh, video from the current real WWE Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin who basically said the pretender Santos Escobar is in for a shock because the international travel ban has been lifted and he was filming from the Dublin airport. He was going to get on a plane and come to Florida as quickly as he possibly could. And 
they're going to have a unification belt for the cruiserweight. And, oh, my God, cannot be more excited for that. Um, another belt development that was really exciting is we have new – as soon as they're crowned, they lost the belt. And this happens all the time. I know a lot of people got worried about it. Uh, it's fine. Relax. This is the direction we want to go because we want the heels to chase this belt anyway. Um, plus, there's a lot of other tag teams like – Candace and Indy, who Candace basically gave uh, these two the stink eye as they came through the back door. Uh, but uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon just did an amazing job together. They have so much great chemistry together. I don't know what they're going to call their team. I think it's like uh, Team Moonballs or something. I don't know, but that's what they should name them. And they, in fact, defeated Kai and Gonzalez to become new NXT Women's Tag Champions. So, the WWE corrected two mistakes at one time. The first was not letting Shotzi and Ember Moon win it in the beginning anyway. But the second correct mistake was even having women's tag belts. So, uh, uh, you know, it was a really fun match. Shotzi works her ass off. She's my favorite wrestler, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Um and uh, basically, uh, Dakota Kai ate the pin, so uh, I was really happy to see that. I like the direction that this is going to go. I want to see these two teams go, keep going at it. I like the big woman, little woman dynamic, the Diesel, Shawn Michaels dynamic. I love how these two are meshing together really, really well. And it's, it's well-deserved. I mean, if the crowd was there, they would chant, you deserve it, to Shotzi and to Ember Moon. Uh, for Ember Moon coming back to NXT uh, after her injury and Shotzi Blackheart, I mean – she can't go anywhere else and do her thing. Like there'd be no way keep her far away from Vince as possible. Vince will probably turn her into some submissive, uh, mousy little girl who's unsure of herself. So we don't need that Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, we just keep her fine. Keep the both of them in NXT. We go from a great women's match to, uh, to why is this still happening? Uh, Zia Lee defeated Caden Carter with shenanigans. Um, Casey Catanzaro goes down by disqualification and uh, whacks Zia Lee, uh, you know, and it comes in and her emotions take over and she starts beating on Zia Lee. And then uh, somehow Bao gets involved and the uh, Boa, whatever his name is. Uh, and uh, somehow, uh, you know, convolutedness, uh, happened and, uh, you know, everybody got away safe and sound. Uh, Kenzaro did try to hit bow with the, uh, crutch, but he blew it off. So I don't know. Um, again, dumb. It's just dumb. Uh, this was fun. Uh, Legato de Fantasma beat the Grizzle Young Veterans with kind of with the help of MSK, but not really. So um, this is already a pretty good match, and I'm a huge fan of the GYV. Um, but uh, so they're having the match, and all of a sudden you hear Brizongo's music hit. And we're like, oh, cool. Brizongo's back. Uh, but it was MSK dressed up in astronaut suits and uh, distracted the Grizzled Young Veterans uh, MSK throws helmets. <laughs> Nash Carter hits uh, James Drake uh, in his nether regions, and he doubles over in pain. And then Wes Carter follows suit with uh, Josh Gibson because the referee was distracted. Um, 
and then that gave uh, Walking Wild the opportunity to uh, put uh, James Drake in the Sunset Flip Bomb for the win. Uh, and after the match, uh, uh, they got their revenge, and uh, Lee smashed uh, Gibson's hand into the uh, steps to get his revenge. And they, they got into the ring. They were squaring off with uh, Legato del Fantasma until two guys from the back came in and jumped Legato. And it happened to be, that's right, Brizongo. Brizongo came in to pay Legato back for them being out for a while, uh, which turned into a fun exchange uh, with uh, Nash and uh, Brizongo doing a hip thrust off in the ring. And then, of course, the 80s superpower, mega powers, uh, Handing of the torch, Fandango uh, 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 knighted, so to speak, Dash Carter, who was waiting for it, 80s style, with the astronaut helmet, and they both danced off into the night. Uh, the last match, again, should be on a pay-per-view, pay-per-view quality match, but it involved Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. After Adam Cole said that he is the Undisputed Era, and he says it's over when he says it's over. Uh Again, this was a, this was a Adam Cole Finn Balor match, so it was amazing. Uh, it, it it was uh, just guys going at each other. It was a main event quality match. It was a pay per view quality match. Uh, but as WWE does, they just kind of use this to further along the storyline. At some point, Kyle O'Reilly came out and kind of stalked Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole then um, uh, distracted uh, I'm sorry uh, Kyle O'Reilly distracted Cole long enough uh, for uh, Finn Balor to hit uh, 1916 onto the floor onto like the ugh, and then the suplex on the metal which was really uh, uh, painful too and it was a nice touch to kind of wink and nod that, you know, Adam Cole doesn't go out that easily. You have to pretty much murder Adam Cole to keep him down. Uh, then, of course, uh, hit the coup de grace on Cole for the win. As that was happening, Kyle O'Reilly jumped him, came into the ring. And unfortunately, Kyle O'Reilly re-aggravated his neck, so he's out for another two to three weeks. Um, don't know if it was a smart idea. He even said on Twitter or Instagram or whatever that he probably shouldn't have come back as quickly as he did. But if he was medically cleared, he was going to go out there. He was going to fight no matter what. So we're redoing the whole Future Shock breakup from 15 years ago in Ring of Honor, which is fine because, again, Gabe Sapolsky working for Vince now, working for WWE, working for NXT, working with Triple H. They're going to use the same energy that they used 15 years ago. I don't know if they can go like they could 15 years ago or if the stakes were just as high. Um, back in 2005, those guys were being positioned as the future stars of Ring of Honor. And now these guys are coming at it from a different side of basically an ugly feud. Uh, former best friends, you know, turning enemies on each other. Speaking of turn, as Finn Balor stood victorious in the ring, of course you can't put one over on Finn Balor, an old crafty Irishman, because as soon as he was in the ring, he turned over his shoulder and he said, what took you so long? And as he turned, kill, uh, I'm sorry, not killer, Karrion Cross was looking over his shoulder ominously to challenge for a belt that he did not lose. So once again, the best produced product in all of uh, WWE is NXT. And now we have all the stuff 
that we're going to be anticipating for the two-day event, by the way. NXT TakeOver State of Deliver is going to be two nights. So I guess they're going to use NXT as the uh, buy-in, as the, as the lead-in for WrestleMania both nights. I don't know. Um, all I know is it's going to be insane, and everything leads up perfectly to all the matches that we want to see. We want to see a grudge match between Kyle O'Reilly and, and Adam Cole, and we want to see a uh, heavyweight title belt between Balor and Cross. And I would not mind seeing Karrion Cross win. So everything is lining up perfectly as it should. It's a well-produced, well-booked, everything's got a plan. Everything looks like it's going according to normal, according to Hoyle. So that is what uh, that is why NXT is the best-produced show, despite what some uh, older uh, wrestling observers who just want clout with the young kids want to tell you. Well, we tried and... Uh, we had some glitches. We had some good times. We had some bad times. You know we've had our share, but we're at the end of the show, and we got through it. Uh, sorry if the stream may have died a little bit. I'll try to re-edit that. Maybe I'll re-upload it. Who knows? That's what live is, man. Uh, we went a little long today, and I think that there was just too much to talk about anyway, and I tried to speed it through. But if there's anything you want to discuss Further, as far as what's going on and anything I said tonight, you are more than welcome to join me on the Heel and Face Facebook page. You can join me in a discussion there. Uh, I got to try to post clips of the show on Minds and other social media networks. You can look for me there. Uh, the streaming version of this podcast, the audio version, will be going streaming all over where you can access, wherever you like to access audio podcasts. Uh, so I'm everywhere and I'll post everything as I always do every week. So join me. If you can't join me live on Facebook, you can definitely check me out on your favorite podcast streaming service. You can check clips out on of this show on, uh, on Minds. You can uh, interact with me on Twitter. You can interact with me on the Heal and Face Facebook page. And of course, don't forget as well, the mothership, join Heal turn wrestling at HG wrestling 316 and that's all the time that i have for this episode thanks for tuning in thanks for watching thanks for being there and talking wrestling it's going to get good fast lane is going to be next week and then basically it's just a sprint to wrestlemania so uh, hang in there uh, have a lot of fun watch a lot of wrestling have fun with your week again happy 316 austin says hell yeah day and uh, as always peace